Welcome to CISO's Insiders Podcast, powered by GRC Consulting. In this podcast, we'll be interviewing leading CISOs and security leaders in the industry for light, eye-level conversations. Here, they share advice and tips, talk about their biggest accomplishments and failures, favorite drinks, key influencers, and much more. We encourage you to walk away with at least one insight that will help you better yourself or your business. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more content, please check us out on social media. Welcome, everybody. Today, I'm speaking with Jay Trinkus, uh, the CISO of Leica. And, you know, looking at your bio, Jay, I see that you started off uh, in law enforcement way back before 2000, before you moved into uh, the IT space and subsequently to the information security space. You served a few stints as like a consultant, uh, chief information security officer, um, director, I think. At some point, you, you, you had your own company, I believe, and, you know, a few other uh, impressive roles here, but if you could step in and properly introduce yourself, that would be excellent. Yeah, sure. So uh, I'm Jay Trinkus. Uh, thanks again for for having me on 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 your show here. Uh, excited to talk to you. Uh, I've been in the cybersecurity privacy space for God about 20 years now. I say I've got the alphabet soup work, the credentials behind my name on all the different certifications and and so on. Uh, did a bunch of different. Um, activities. I did own my own company for, for a while. I, I did come from law enforcement space, which was kind of nice because you had the security and compliance and and uh, all of those regulatory areas that you had to know and study. And, and it kind of fit nicely into the technical space that I was always interested in um, come by way of uh, consulting firms as well. I'm currently the CISO over at uh, Leica or software as a service compliance platform. And I also act as their data protection officer and their head of healthcare programs. Been with them now for about over a year now. And uh, we made a big announcement. We just got our Series C uh, funding today. So big announcement. Wow, congratulations. Yeah. Congratulations. Good, good. Yeah, you guys. So yeah. So we're, we're looking at really expanding and uh, increasing our offerings. So it's been fun. Yeah, and you know, like as one of the well-positioned companies right now in, I think, in the U.S. and globally, I believe, uh, you're specifically you're in the compliance automation space, correct? We are. Mm -hmm. Yes, we have a compliance platform that helps uh, organizations make it more, I said, a little bit easier, more efficient uh, with an integrated uh, attestation and certification process, right? So we, we generally work on the SOC area. But we also have ISO 27001, privacy, GDPR, and we're also an approved high trust assessor firm. So we can do both readiness and uh, validated assessments. And we run those through our automations and, and help uh, small, medium-sized organizations, some larger ones as well, uh, you know, get through their compliance efforts. Okay. Interesting. Thank you for that. Uh, and, you know, before we dive into the, the questions, I always like to give this, uh, you know, quick uh, brief so this podcast is not about the company that you work with right now it's about you and the journey and your journey to becoming a CISO uh, and the intent here is really to collect as much information as we can and share experience with the, our listeners out there and you know discover what makes uh, what make a CISO stick 
Uh, and with that, before we dive into the questions, I would like to ask a couple of uh, personal questions. Uh, if you're willing to share your marital status and favorite drink, that would be excellent. <laughs> yeah, so I am married. Uh, I've been married now for 29 years, going on 29 years. Uh, I've got two um, older adult uh, children. Uh, one's 28 and one's 24. Uh, my favorite drink, uh, well, yeah, probably Diet Coke. I, I generally drink Diet Coke uh, for, for non-alcoholic, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, when I started asking these questions, I was under the the notion and the assumptions that most CISOs are like single malt type of individuals. And I think statistically <laughs> speaking, so I've recorded probably more than 60 episodes by now. I think so st statistically speaking, I was right. Most of the people yeah. were either... You know, scotch lovers or bourbon in some cases. Smarty. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. I like scotch as my alcoholic drink uh, of choice. So yeah. Yeah. I love the. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Favorites. <laughs> yeah. Bourbon is great. Uh, I'm a single uh, scotch kind of guy as well. Although since I moved to California about three and a half years ago, I started drinking in wines more often, like red, mm -hmm. all kinds of, you know, yeah. brands. So that's that's good as well. Um. But anyway, uh, you know, let's dive right in. If there is one thing you wish you had known before you began your career, what would that be? Yeah, uh, you know, cybersecurity space, um, it's probably convincing executive leadership that security is really important to them, right? So many times, you know, security is kind of an afterthought or there's, you know, it's an expense center, right? And so I think one of the, I guess, the hardest hardest items that, I, that I've had to overcome and I kind of wish I had a little maybe preparation beforehand was trying to convince our, our leadership, you know, that cybersecurity is here to stay. It, it can definitely help you build a revenue stream in some cases, move up market when you're building trust with your customers. And, you know, yeah, being able to convince them um, that you're just not throwing your money away for nothing, right? You've got, there's a reason why we're doing what we're doing here. Yeah, but, uh, you know, looking back at the industry for the past 10, 15 years, like, uh, I'm sure that you would agree of me saying that there has been a transition in the role of the CISO and the types of individuals that are CISOs nowadays, as opposed to like 10, 15 years ago. And I think one of the, you know, convincing that we we're talking about is that maybe the lack of skills of, you know, being able to talk to leadership. And, you know, this always comes back in some way or, or another during, during our talks that CISOs nowadays are much more business oriented, a much more business oriented role than, you know, what it used to be like, which was technical role, file management or anything like that. So, uh, but yeah, um, <laughs> um, you know, and looking back at your career, what would you say your biggest failure was and what did you learn from it? Yeah, um, you know, like starting up some of the, my own companies, um, you know, I've, I had multiple companies throughout. I've always been kind of an entrepreneur, uh, you know, entrepreneur at, at heart. So, you know, some were great, um, some went well, and then the others were, you know, a little bit underfunded. So I think, you know, one of the biggest failures was just, you know, starting a company and and you know learning from some of the disappointments of that company not having enough funding um different resources appropriate resources and of course trusting in some of the experts that you that you might hire right um so those are all things that you kind of learn the hard way hard the school of hard knocks uh going through mm -hmm. but <laughs> yeah and touching a bit about that what would you say your biggest accomplishment was 
Yeah. Um, besides my family, um, I've authored three books. I published three books on the topic of cybersecurity and, and privacy. Um, so, uh, you know, over the last, you know, five or 10 years here, getting those books out and, and publishing and trying to make, you know, uh, organizations and, and leadership more educated, right? I, I find a lot of times the CISO position is more about education um, and, you know, talking to individuals uh, about some of the importance of, of doing certain things and why we're doing certain things and trying to explain that. So, yeah, I think um, publishing not only the one, but now three <laughs> published books out there. Nice. Can you tell, you know, just provide like a brief background on your, on these three books? Yeah, 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 absolutely. So the first one was the Executive MBA in Information Security. Um, you know, at the time I was going through a lot of different certifications and I always had a kind of a knack about taking notes and helping, you know, helping my classmates out back in school and, and you know, study for tests and so on. Um, that book was actually picked up by, by uh, one of um, uh, one of the universities in, in Chicago uh, to to act as kind of the introductory um, syllabus material for that course. The next one was definitive guide to complying with the HIPAA high tech privacy and security rules. Um, you know, my expertise has been in healthcare for quite a while now. And so I wanted to, you know, write a book to help help organizations become HIPAA compliant. And then the last one is how healthcare data privacy is almost dead and what can be done to revive it. So working again in the healthcare space and realizing that there's been a lot of different changes in the laws and regulations, some good, maybe some not so good as it relates to privacy, you know, opening opening up your medical records to different, you know, different organizations and the different privacies around that. So um, you know, I, I, we've diluted a lot of our privacy and I think privacy and security, you know, of course have to go together. Right. And, you know, privacy is a fundamental right for, for most individuals, all individuals. Right. So it's just, uh, you know, we've kind of diluted and kind of lost sight of what, what that really means when we're sharing a bunch of information for our free cat videos, right. <laughs> that are out <laughs> And we tend to do that. You know, we tend to give a lot of information away for free. Yeah. That's for sure. And, um, you know, looking at the industry right now and, you know, we all know there's a huge shortage. I forgot the exact numbers that we're talking about, but a few, it's in the millions, right? Uh, you know, people that want to go into, that want to start their career in cybersecurity, what would your advice to them be? Yeah. Um, you know, we talked to you, you mentioned it before, right? So, you know, the CISO role kind of came from the IT and then into the business, but I still think it's important that you learn the fundamentals, right? How do computers work? How do they talk to each other? How are networks available? How are the OS? I think a good CISO has to have some good hands-on, you know, not to say that they have to be experts, right? You know, that's not their jobs, but they have to have an understanding from the fundamentals on the technology that they're trying to protect, right? Um, you know, where's that data? You got to protect that data. You got to know where that data is at. So you have to have a real good understanding of that and then be able to translate it. I'm always thinking I'm a translator and I'm translating it from there into that business world and, you know, the strategic guidelines and, and so on to move the company forward. Mm -hmm. Let me make it a bit harder on you. Uh, and, and I I know I might be a pain in the neck here, but, uh, you know, what are the fundamentals like when we start off and i'm assuming we're you know closer in age right uh when we started off the fundamentals was were as you said like networking it operating system at some point you know application security came along and really reshuffled the industry because right now when you start off the fundamentals can be anything from you know being a sock 
analyst to be uh, you know to be an uh, an application security consultant or you know advisor to network to any number of realms within the information security so what would what would you say the fundamentals fundamentals are now uh, you know the fundamentals now um you know with the with the abundance of cloud services right you have to have a good understanding of how we move from that data center right those those you know, actual physical devices and servers in the data center into this cloud environment, right? And then these shared responsibilities that our cloud service providers that we're very dependent upon, right, um, are actually taking care of those systems. What are our responsibilities as a company? What are their responsibilities? Having a good understanding of that cloud environment um, and, and those type of responsibilities and matrices uh, is really important. And, and as far as the fundamentals are concerned right now, I, I see that. I do see, however, that there might be a there might be a pendulum shift here I, you know over the next maybe five or ten years you know and i think we may find that more companies go back to our data centers and have more control over those um it'll be interesting to see you know uh, it, it's costing i think more than what people expected initially when we mm -hmm. moved into the and and then we're still you know in some cases the companies are still kind of responsible for maintaining a lot of that security around those those cloud assets right so it'll be interesting to see how how if cloud's going to be able to survive, and I, it will be it'll be around. There'll be a lot of organizations that will still rely on it, um, but I think there might be a pendulum shift back to, you know, bringing it in house again. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I'd like to see that. Um, now let's talk a bit about the the role of the CISO and the position and how to position it within a, an organization. So as you probably know, you know, in some organizations the CISOs report directly under an IT function. It could be the CIO, it could be the CTO in some organizations. In other in other organizations, the CISO might be reporting into like a different role. It could be the COO, could even be the CEO. What are your thoughts about like you know a CISO that's part of the IT organizations? Yeah, great question. I I got a I, I have a very strong opinion about it, and I actually wrote about it way back when in my very first book. Um, I think the CISO needs to report and have a have a seat at the table. Um, I like them to report right directly to the chief executive officer. Um, although the, you need that IT background, I if you limit it to IT and put the CISO underneath that kind of umbrella, you really aren't taking the advantage of that entire enterprise-wide, right? So security is enterprise-wide. It's just not an IT function, right? You've got the employees that you have to train. You've got vendors that you have to be worried about. You've got all these other, other factors that play into it. And if you put that person underneath that IT department, I think you're very, you know, you're limiting, you're limiting the scope um, that they're, that they're involved in. Uh, and I don't think it's, you know, you have to have be cross-functional across it. Uh, so I'm a big proponent. Uh, I have seen them, you know, some CISOs report up through the legal department, more on the compliance aspect. And again, I guess it just depends on what industry you're you're in and, and some of those areas. Mm -hmm. But uh, definitely the CISO needs a, needs a seat at the table <laughs> and needs to be able to drive, uh, you know, drive those security and privacy practices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and you know, what, in your opinion, what are the reasons for historically, you know, speaking, the reason, the main reason for uh, CISOs to to have been re reported in under the the IT organizations? Do you think that was like you know due to technology, due to the risk, uh, to the to the attack surface that we had back then? 
Yeah. Yeah. I think it's all, all to what you're, you're, what you mentioned before, right. Kind of where we came from and, and, you know, having that IT background because that's where kind of cybersecurity sat, right. Um, and being kind of focused in on the tech and in on all of those, you know, securing the infrastructure, securing your application, securing all of that, that data from that perspective. Um, but again, that pendulum is, is slipping over. Right. And so now we're looking at it more from a strategic you know, business, uh, you know, venture, right? It, and it, and the strategy behind why are we doing this? We're building trust. And in our case, you know, we're building trust for our organizations to help our organizations grow and to expand out into other industries or into other customers and up up market level. And so we really, you really need to focus now as a CISO on that strategic cross-functional um, going across multiple different organ, you know, multiple different organizations and structures within your, within your organization. And you need to have that autonomy to be able to do that. You can't be mm -hmm. pigeonholed longer into IT. <laughs> Got it. Let's talk a bit about, you know, how to position yourself and grow as a CISO. So, and, and you mentioned that you've been in the industry for, you know, couple decades uh, at least right now uh, and I know you mentioned uh, like a bunch of certifications and accreditation that uh, that you have that you've been involved with what were like the resources that you used to actually you know help you in your own personal and professional growth yeah um you know I read read a lot of books um, I tell everybody um, you know I was also an adjunct professor um, for Santa Fe College here in Gainesville. And, uh, you know, one of the first things I told my student is if you're getting into cybersecurity, it's a long time, lifetime learning. You're always learning something new. So every little bit of information I would get through LinkedIn, through Twitter, and start joining some of those different groups, the certifications, of course, are, are maintained by the different organizations and networking with those individuals, uh, finding yourself a mentor that's that's a CISO that's, that's there, uh, real instrumental in being able to, you know, expand your career, uh, the networks you make above and beyond, you know, even some of the experience and, and so on, just the individuals you meet in this, this close knit community. And I say close knit, um, you know, you mentioned that, you know, we've got a kind of a security gap, right. Or, you know, a population gap in security. And it's, it's just so interesting to me how, you know, you see individuals that you've worked with in the past or you're familiar with in the past and they come around later on and, and you're talking to them again. Um, so it's a real close-knit community. Learn as much as you can. Read as much as you can. Um, you know, YouTube's your friend as well. <laughs> There's a lot of information out there, Google searches. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's uh, that's kind of what I've what I've done. Just learning and, and uh, getting out there um, and hands-on. You can't, you can't, can't, can't be getting out there and just playing with it, figuring out how things work. And, and um, hopefully you're doing it in a test environment, right? You're not doing it on your production environments, but uh, getting in there and, and playing with the uh, technology. Okay, thank you for that, uh, Jay. So, you know, moving, moving forward, what would you say, is there one common myth about uh, our profession, cybersecurity, that you wanted to debunk? Yeah, um, we're not all hackers. <laughs> um, you know, so many times, oh, cybersecurity, oh, we're, we're you know, oh, you're a hacker, right? Uh, yeah, no, that's it. <laughs> we're not all hackers. Yeah, some of us have done some of that penetration tests in the past, and I think it's good that hands-on, that technical understanding it um, from both sides, right? How do I get in? And then that way I can prevent someone from getting in. Um, but you will find that uh, we're not all hackers. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, even my son and, you know, and, and some, um, 
um he asked me like a couple of times uh, if we if we can like hack someone or steal some data or do all kinds of things i had to explain to him that that was pretty much illegal <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah now talking about the caesar positions and you know how it transitions and grows like and looking at today what would you say the main concerns that caesars nowadays have yeah um you know they had some news, right? So we had the uh, the Uber CISO that just, you know, had a had a breach, right? And I I was saying it's it's legal responsibility. Um, you know, as a CISO, you've got more I think legal liability than we have in the past, right? Um, and sometimes we may or may not have some of the autonomy or the authority to make changes. Uh, so. Yeah, I think we're going to find, um, you know, uh, hopefully we're going to be covered under our, uh, you know, our, our cyber insurance and our cyber liability as part of the directors. Uh, but having personal responsibility now and personal liability over a breach, um, that, that's kind of scary. That's Those are things that keep you up at night. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I think uh, you mentioned that you're a DPO as well, right? So I believe that uh, under GDPR, uh, as a DPO, you're fine as as long as you're you know you provide your opinion and you stated it and you documented it and management signs off on that um i'm wondering whether at some point you know the caesar route would be as structured as the privacy because you know privacy you know it all started with gdpr right and we see a migration like ccpa and new privacy laws that are coming coming about in the us i'm 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 wondering if uh, something similar would happen with the cybersecurity world next. Yeah, you know, uh, I've always, you know, I've always had this kind of, you know, idea and, you know, maybe I took kind of a, you know, a, a different route to it and, and I wanted to learn how things work and, and, and start from the beginning, from the basic and the fundamentals that we talked about. Um, but, you know, I've, I've also come under the, the idea that, maybe cybersecurity should be more of a, a trade school, right? Or a trade type of situation. Like we see plumbers and, and electricians and, and those type of things. And then you work, you know, you work under as an apprentice going through these different things and learning all of these different, you know, levels of, of security and, and all. Um, and so, you know, do you get a license, right? It's, it's always interesting to me is, you know, you can go to your hair barber, right? And <laughs> now we have a lot of hair, right? We do yeah. our own. Not us, um, but, but other people can go. Conditions <laughs> are, are licensed, right? And, and the barbers are, are licensed. And it's and and you don't need licensing in cybersecurity. So that always kind of leads to, you know, uh, do you really know what you're talking about when we're talking about cybersecurity? And and how, you know, how, how can you trust certain individuals that's, oh, I'm a cybersecurity expert, you know? Are you really, right? You know? So it leaves that kind of, and... Yeah, certifications help. Uh, learning that experience, of course, having good references um, always definitely help um, and make you that expert. You know, writing the books, right? You know, you got to learn. You got to learn the material before you can write the book. But uh, it'd be interesting to see. And I, I've seen some of that talk about it. I know Florida's got some some things in place. Um, maybe some other states do as well. Where you know we, we're trying to tackle that skill shortage, right? How do we do that? And maybe the trade trade path might be that solution yeah that's definitely interesting it would be interesting to see how this all uh, turns out uh and you know talking about that and just expanding on the previous questions so in your opinion we've, we've spoken about the concerns of a CISOs what are the the areas which CISOs should be focused on these days in your opinion 
Yeah. Um, major concern. I, you know, kind of going back to that regulations and legal obligations um, and, and having authority, making authority, uh, you know, within your company, I, I think are some of the things that, that need to be focused on. Uh, making sure that cybersecurity becomes a boardroom topic and, and raising it to the level of the boardroom uh, is, is very important. And I think we're going to see a lot more regulations, especially in public publicly traded companies. I think I just saw something today where they're looking at any kind of security breaches actually being reported on a certain form that needs to be submitted as part of the financial packaging and, and so on. Uh, so I think public public companies and and even, you know, some private companies that are, you know, being invested, you know, are you, are you willing or wanting to invest in a company that doesn't have these cybersecurity practices in place, right? You know, the risk that that's involved uh, with the breach, I, I think it's going to become very important. So regulations, legislations. <laughs> mm -hmm. And in your opinion, what are the most important skills that CISOs nowadays should have? Uh, biggest skills I think you're going to need is, is listening and understanding what the business needs, right? You can never, you can never, you know, you can put a bunch of different security stuff in, in place, but if you can't make the systems work or they're not functional, right? Or you got to jump through too many steps, the users aren't going to do it. They're going to start writing the passwords down, right? Like they used to, uh, as opposed to using a password keeper. So listening and understanding the business needs and being able to align, you know, align your security efforts with those needs. And, you know, just out of curiosity, and I've never asked this before, if I were to ask you the same question 15 years ago, what would your answer be in your opinion? Yeah, um, it would make it. It would it would have changed, right? Fifteen years ago, it was making sure that uh, your systems were up and running, right, and they could talk to each other, right? Um, you know, VPNs were coming around, you know, trying to secure it and making sure the encryption. Um, well, yeah, <laughs> when fifteen years, that's probably what, like Windows ninety eight terms, right? Yeah, <laughs> Windows NT. I don't yeah. know. It's a while, yeah, right? yeah, ninety and ninety, I would say, yeah. Yeah, you know, and it was an afterthought. So you know, the internet wasn't really built with security. So you were just, you know, you were just plugging away and and trying to to put stuff out and out out in there to to make it secure, and make it make it run, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> just um, put another any any allow rule in front. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that's that's about it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh Got it. Um, so yeah, so we've covered the, the fact that you know the CISO position has grown from a more much more technical role into a more business oriented role. But still, as you said previously, you know you still think that they need these individuals need to have the fundamentals like of some kind of technical expertise of you know somewhat of of some domain. So it could be you know IT, it could be application security, it could be OS and all that. Uh, but now looking into the future, like let's, you know, let's fast forward like five, 10 years into the future. Where do you think the CISO role would be then? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I see the CISO role as a, as a business enabler and a technology innovator. Um, you know, uh, this is going to cybersecurity and I've already, you're already seen it, right? Um, where it's, it's driving businesses. I'll, I'll do the, the vendor due diligence, right? You know, we've got the 500 question questionnaires so that we can get a, a company, right? To sign up with us, right? Uh, how inefficient that is and how long it takes and how much time is, has been spent on, on that. Um, so I see, you know, sort of certifications and attestations and those type of things. Um, you know, making sure that your security program is is tight, uh, your privacy program as well. That's going to drive that trust. And then, you know, 
that trust and that ecosystem is going to help you and help the business grow in, in much, you know, extraordinary areas. So it's a very exciting time uh, being a CISO, being able to drive, you know, that business and, and being able to drive technology innovation. Uh, I do see a lot more, you know, AIs information coming out and being able to control what that, what that AI is, 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 you know, actually bringing in and, and, you know, on the privacy side of it, uh, being able to control that. So, uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of good technology out there right now. And, and, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how, how the, the CISO role really, uh, really expands. Mm -hmm. But in general, you're talking about like streamlining as much as possible in order, in order to enable business and make everything simpler and not as cumbersome as they sometimes are today when you want to do business. For example, if when you want to do the business with corporate America, you have to comply with a whatever, like a bunch of checklists, right? You need to yeah. you need to show your SOC two report. You need to show your ISO twenty seven thousand certifications. In some cases, you'll need to show a penetration testing report. You'll need to fill out a questionnaire. You're talking about, you know, maturing that industry. If I'm okay, yeah, 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 and make it more efficient, right? So uh, less time on that, you can spend doing other doing other things right uh, mm -hmm. you know let checkbox type stuff you can you know definitely yeah uh, yeah definitely. And, I, and i know you also mentioned that you know you're seeing um a lot of automation ai in the future of cyber security what about like from a budgeting perspective if we're looking pre-pandemic post-pandemic what do you think that have you seen any major shifts here yeah you know um <laughs> Slight, um, you know, it, it, again, security is always kind of that, that expense area. Um, and you never, you never have enough resources to do what you, what you really want to do. Um, but I have seen, you know, especially with more of the breaches coming out and, and some of the headline areas, um, you know, you are getting a little bit more funding for, for security in, in some cases. So I have seen it open up a little bit more, um, you know, the, the pandemic, right, uh, really changed the way that that we were working, right, as opposed to going into the office. You know, we were coming in remotely, right, and so all the technology that that were that we always had, but now we had to push it in and 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 get it done immediately, right. Um, and so now we're we're taking maybe a little bit step, you know, back back to the hybrid or you know back into the office area now. Um, but I don't think remote is ever going to go away, and I you know yeah, the budgets have opened up a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Uh, and by the way, do you think budget will continue to to be as they are right now? Because you know there is what we're, we're, everybody's talking about, like the downturn of the economy, and you know some big companies are laying off uh, <laughs> some folks and all that. Well, you know, it, I think companies are going to have to do that, right? Um, you know, if you don't lay that out and and you don't secure your systems, it, it's a perfect time for for the attackers to come in. Right. I mean, you know, there's less people, maybe less people in security that's that's doing the work. You have one person doing a bunch of different work. It only take, you know, it only takes a hacker, an attacker, one point of entry to get into your system where you, you as the defender is trying to protect all of these different areas. So, um, you know, we still have to be on guard. Um, I always saw cybersecurity as that first line of defense. And so you have to you have to be able to fund it. You have to be able to have the people on staff to to do the work. So. It's not going any, it's not going away. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And 
expanding a bit about the industry, what would you define as innovation in our space? Isn't along more along the lines of, hey, this is a new product, this is a new technology, or is it more along the lines of, hey, you know what, I'm going to take what I'm doing here and I'm going to monetize this. So in other words, like monetizing cybersecurity services and offerings and actually, you know, baking it into whatever the offering of whatever the company is. I think it's maybe a little bit of both, you know, um, yeah, I've kind of seen, I've kind of seen it. I've kind of seen both, uh, you know, I, there's, there's still funds out there that, you know, uh, that are available for these, for these innovative startups. Um, I think, you know, I, I've been seeing a lot more in the IOT area, the, the, you know, the medical devices and some of the things that are there. That's a, that's a hot, hot area right now. And, and, uh, you know, everybody, everybody's connected, right? We can wear our smartwatches and we're trying to think about health and all this other good stuff. And, and so that's a huge market that's innovating and, and bringing a lot of, a lot of neat, different stuff to market, the AI, right? Bringing them in there, uh, those type of things in the market. But then on the other side too, um, you know, compliance and, and governance and, and uh, you know, risks aren't going away. And, you know, how can we make this easier? How can we automate, make, you know, automate this? And in some cases, you know, companies are opening up and making, making money <laughs> off of, off of those uh, service lines. Well, thank you. And, uh, you know, we're almost at the tail end of our episode today. And I always like to, before we end, I always like to ask a couple of questions about vendor relationship. Let's say you're a vendor or let's say you're someone that want to work with a potential customer, you know, as a vendor, what would you do in order to, you know, make that relationship happen? Yeah. Uh, you know, you got to do your research, right? You know, uh, why or how, why do we sell? We generally sell products and services to organizations, to people, because we have a, they have a need and we have something to fulfill that need, right? We have a service, um, you know, uh, we got a product, right? So you have to research those companies and figure out what are their pain points. And if I can come in with a product or service that helps them with those pain points, you know, you're probably going to get that sale. So, you know, cold calls don't really work much anymore or until you do your research behind them. And, and then, you know, if you, Hey, we, we noticed that you have this situation and this problem and we have this solution that, that we think will help you with that and fix it for you. Mm -hmm. So in other words, what is it that you're actually looking for in a vendor? Um, to be a partner. Um, our vendors, we like to, you know, partner with our vendors and, and, uh, to be there. Um, it's not one of these one and go, right. You know, here you go, have a nice day and you're out the door after we sell it and we can't contact them. We can't get a hold of them any longer. I think, you know, the services, um, and, and had good customer service is definitely very, very important and being able to, um, you know, come in, you know, Hey, I got a solution, whatnot, but I'm going to be there for the long haul. Right. And I'm going to be your trusted trusted partner in this um, solution, whatever it is, uh, to go forward. Got it. Any any specific individuals in the industry that you look up to? You know, I, I've got, you know, I've got uh, some. Um, I actually, uh, a guy by the name of Jonathan Pollard, who's actually an attorney, um, and, and he does some, um, you know, uh, specific niche uh, uh, legal stuff. And he's always coming out with different different things, but he, he speaks on, on different topics. So uh, I, I like the legal area, right, being a former law enforcement officer. Um, James Azar also puts out a pretty good uh, 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 CISO um, uh, 
talk talk track as well and and um you get some good information from them so those are a couple couple folks that i that i listen to <laughs> that i follow got got it great what's the best way that people can connect with you yeah uh you can hit me up on linkedin um and you know uh also you know via email is probably the the best way to get a hold of hold of me um i'm probably pretty searchable i, I probably have my name out there quite a bit so it's not not too hard to find me um and i'm pretty open to talk to and connect with people so um you know if you need anything or uh, want to reach out yeah more than more than happy to talk Thank you for that. And final question. If money was never an issue, what would you do with your life? <laughs> uh, money was let's never say you, yeah, let's say you, let's say you, you, you want the 1.9 billion that's coming up what yeah, is it, Saturday. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I got, I got something funny for you, Ben. Last week, um, uh, my son uh, does $20 lottery tickets, right? Um, and this kind of it makes this inspiration. You know, what happens here is, is that you got, you know, you got good things can and do happen to good people. And my son, he's a, he's a good guy. He, uh, he won a $1 million scratch off ticket last week. I'm not joking with you. Wow. <laughs> yes. Awesome. So, uh, you know, he's going to be able to, uh, uh, move, move out, um, and, and, uh, be pretty well said. He's 24 years old. And that's and amazing. So, we're actually going through this same question. What does this, what does this mean to have, you know, a kind of you know, life-changing money for him? Um, and, you know, in the same instance, the, the impact that it has on, on, on the family and the rest of the family as well, but investing, um, you know, investing in your own company, investing in yourself, I think are, are two, two big things. Um, in his case, he's going to look at, you know, buying a house, right. Being able to actually be mortgage free, you know, that's, that's mm -hmm. American. That's amazing. Amazing. Good for you and good for him. Uh, well, that's definitely a first. Uh, and, you know, with that, I think we can wrap this up. Uh, we, this is the high, the highest that we can get. <laughs> um, <laughs> let me, you know, start by thanking you for covering up uh, some time out of your busy calendar. I appreciate the time that you invested wow. in, you know, joining me today. I'm sure you're, you know, answers, your answers were great. And I'm sure that it would resonate with uh, some of our listeners out there. Uh, any final notes, anything you wanted to say? Uh Get out and vote today, uh, folks. Definitely uh, get out there and, and vote, and um, you know make your make your vote count. So um, yeah, thank you for having me, and it has been an honor and, and it's a real pleasure. Same here. Thank you, Jay.